This is Other Voices. We're listening to varied views from local people who might otherwise not be heard. I'm Melissa Hale Spencer, editor of the Altamont Enterprise, which focuses on Albany County, New York. You can reach me at mhs at altamontenterprise.com. I'm talking to Megan Vischio, who has created a many-splendored, amazing technicolor dream coat for the character Joseph in a play by that name. She has worked with her mother-in-law, Marie Vischio, and they have always called themselves the ideal ladies as they come up with making kids' dreams come true for the costumes in the Voorheesville plays. I understand that you are kind of the mastermind behind making kids' dreams a reality when they get on the stage at Voorheesville. And this year, they are producing Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. So could you tell us just a bit what that musical is about? Sure, I'll try my best. Um, it's actually based on an Old Testament Bible story, the story of Joseph and um, his father Jacob, and they had the 12, I believe it's 12 sons, and Jacob was his favorite, um, or sorry, Joseph was his favorite, and um, so he gave him this coat of many colors, and the brothers quickly became uh, very jealous, and so they sold Joseph to... Um, I don't know, to be a slave. And then, um, you know, he worked his way up, Joseph. He was liked by the Potiphar and moved up and ended up with the Pharaoh. And the play is a little confusing, if I say. It's definitely not a, it's a based on a Bible story. But, um, you know, there's a number where their kids are all in 60s uh, costumes. And then um, Pharaoh's kind of Elvis. So it's, it's very fun and lively. And the music is just beautiful. The chances I've got to um, go into the theater and see it. Usually I'm back where the costumes are working on them while the kids are practicing, but uh, they're doing a great job. The, The dancing and the singing, it's just, it's beautiful. Well, thank you for that synopsis. It, it sounds like a Bible story with roots, but what has bloomed from those roots sounds almost psychedelic. So um, tell us about the costumes. How do you go about when, because you've done this a number of times, um, and I our readers will be familiar with it because we have a constant correspondent on the costumes in Sharon Breisch, who has written each year for the last several years about the kinds of things you've created for costumes. But just kind of walk us through the process. Do you sit down with the kids and ask what they envision? Or do you read the script and think what you envision? How does that work? Yeah, sometimes it it differs. Sometimes the director will say, um, "This is what we want." And um, for Joseph and the Amazing Technical Dream Coach, our, our director, the director Desiree, definitely had a vision, and so we kind of followed that to a T and added our little, you know, bits of um, sparkle in there as we could. Um, and then there's some directors who just say to me, uh, "Do this," you know, "We're doing Fiddler on the Roof." 
and you do it all and discover it and plan it all out. So we've had a little bit of both. Um, I started doing this way back when my son Joseph was in fifth grade. We did The Little Mermaid Junior, and that was my first show that I, you know, was a chairperson of the costume committee and um, just loved it. And that was a really extreme costume show. There was a lot of really intricate designs and costumes. So at that point, I kind of came up with some ideas and had a great group of volunteers. And, you know, they went to work and, you know, beautiful costumes. And then I worked on The Wizard of Oz and... Let's see what else. Uh, Beauty and the Beast Jr. We did Annie Kids, Fiddler on the Roof, and then now this is our current one. So and, um, how I've been old a part of is all of your them. Joseph now? So how old is your Joseph now? Is so my Joseph, he's in ninth grade now. Is he still so on the stage? Is he still a thespian? Is he still on the stage? He is not doing this one. He's done them all since, but he he didn't do this one. He just didn't have the time this year to commit. It's a big commitment. These kids yeah. are they put in hours and hours of work. So yeah. Um, but my my daughter Alice is a sixth grader and she's in the children's choir. Which um, there's a group of sixth graders who will oh, be that on is stage. Nice. And she's one and of it them. Must so make that's your nice. kids so proud oh, to have their nice. mother. And it must make your kids so proud to behind, have their mother behind all being this. Being the creator so behind just to back up behind on this year's so production. Just to back up how on this do you year's make production. a technicolor dream coat? What does that consist of? What what does that consist of? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, and when we were kind of planning this, the dream coat, it's a big, it's a part of, it's the biggest part of the show because it's the name um, and it definitely has a stage presence. And when we were deciding to do costumes, it was kind of, that was still a little undecided of what we were going to use. And in my head, I was like, I want to make that because I knew it could be really creative and colorful and just a really fun experience. Um, so I knew I could do it alone. But I, I did uh, call upon my mother-in-law, Marie, because she has helped me before with costumes. And, and um, I said, you want to make a dream coat with me? <laughs> and she said, sure. So um, it was actually, you know, definitely a group effort. Uh, our two brains came together and to make this. And um, we, we call ourselves the Idea Ladies. Um, that's kind of a funny joke between us. And, um, you know, when these things happen, we kind of see these idea, the idea ladies coming together and um, making so something really beautiful. Can we have a more detailed description so of what this coat is? How do you, is it, what this it must be a coat is? of many colors, you, different pieces it, of fabric? It must be a coat of many right. colors. What, how do you get the technicolor? How do you get the technicolor? Right. So, um, we use there's in the song it, it talks about every color that's in this coat and i don't know them all the kids have to sing them all but um that's where we started i knew it had to have all these colors and i just went to my fabric and started pulling colors um you know bright colors uh, a lot of rainbowy kind of colors and um put them together um yeah, Technicolor, I actually looked it up and I just saw a lot of like rainbows. So I was like, okay, this has to have rainbows. Um, and yeah, that just started from there. Very bright. Um, and using, like I said, a lot of stuff we just already had. And the just young it actor together. that is playing Joseph, and the young how, actor how did he feel when he put on this coat? Could you see his transformation? See his transformation? Yes, that was actually 
it was the pinnacle of all the months of work that we had put into this coat. I brought it in and his name is Logan and he is one of the nicest kids you will ever meet. Uh, just a great family from Voorheesville. And so I brought it in a couple days ago. We had just needed to hem it. And so I wanted to try it on him and he was seeing it for the first time and he nearly fell on the floor with excitement and just could not believe that this was going to be oh, his coat. Oh, that's wonderful. Now, what happens to these costumes after the play is over? Does he get to keep his coat? Or how, what, all these costumes over all the years, I mean, I'm sure... Uh, say the mermaids couldn't probably make a lot of use of their costumes, but like ha what happens to them afterwards? Yeah. Because that's something I've been working on. Um, so parents, if they want to, you know, keep what they've made, like if I, I'm, I actually used all my own material, so I'll keep this coat and I don't know what I'll do with it, but I just didn't want to see it go into a bin in a closet where it would just kind of be packed up. So, um, yeah, I'll actually own this coat. I'm trying to figure out what places I can wear it, but, uh, we are currently, our school has a, a huge amount of just costume through the years, you know, and there's definitely some more specific things like you're saying, like the mermaid tails, those probably won't be used again. So if another school can borrow them, we definitely share them. And, um, and then after a show, we usually just wash what we can. And there's a lot of basic costumes that can be reused for other shows, like, you know, just black pants or colorful button downs. So we wash them all, put them into bits that have been organized by, you know, piece and color. Sorry about that. We put them back into bins um, and they're stored in our, sometimes they're stored, they were stored in the basement of the school, but now they're, um, they're in a different room. Anyway, so a lot of them are stored and we're trying to kind of figure out, you know, what we can do with some of those. Sorry about that. We're still deciding what to do yeah. with those pieces that are very well, specific. Well, you mentioned but, your yeah. mother-in-law, and I'd like to take a side trip. Our longtime readers will be familiar with her because I wrote about her quilting, and she's just such an exceptional woman, but also such an exceptional seamstress, is that the word? Creator of art through quilting. And... Um, mm -hmm. It's just, I remember I visited her house for one story where she was making a quilt. Um, it was to raise money uh, for fighting cancer. But she showed me pictures of wedding dresses she had made for her daughters and for you. And it had, I think, seven layers of tulle. Tool, is that how you say it? You look like Cinderella. Yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <So>, yes. <laughs> I mean, just tell us. Yes. I mean, that's so yes. special to have that kind of relationship with your mother-in-law, the ideal ladies. I love that. Just kind of tell us a little about that. Yes. Yes. So um, my mother-in-law, Marie, she is a seamstress, a quilter. She makes the most beautiful quilts. And what I love most about her quilts is she will use, people give her scraps, people give her leftover material. She takes all these scraps and she makes um, 
the most beautiful scrap quilts. And it seems like scrap quilts would be easy to make because you're like, ah, it's just a bunch of scraps. But to take scraps and make it into a, a beautiful quilt is actually really difficult. And I've never seen quilts as beautiful as hers. Um, yes. And she did make my wedding dress and um, layers upon layers of tool. Yeah. yeah but it was, just to it was have really that beautiful. kind of relationship yep. with your mother-in-law where you're creating together, coming up with ideas and and making things out of your own hands. It's just so rare these days. You know, we live in such a society where things are easily purchased and actually creating things and doing it with someone who's a relation by marriage. I just think it's wonderful. I think it's it's something that's rare. So... I agree. Yeah, it's definitely rare. I get along with her very well. And um, she is a really good seamstress sewer. I it's I'm good at sewing and I've been sewing since I was probably eight years old, but I'm I'm not um, with some of the technical things. She's very good at that. So, um, yeah. And I when I asked her to do this quill, um, I wanted her expertise on some of the, you know, the coat part, because up top it's it's a coat and then down below it's like panels and a big skirt that balloons out that looks like a parachute um so i knew i needed her technical um support but i also just thought what a great opportunity for the you know for us to work together and i won't i'm always learning something from her so yeah i, I love working with her i love her so much yeah, and, that's... and we we do have a very good relationship it's great which i know well, is I very special like to me to hear about you as an artist beyond being an artist with a needle. I went through last night and we've just have pages and pages from our library notes columns of all the different projects you've done with children in Voorheesville in so many different mediums and so many different ways. And just could you kind of start back at the very beginning of your life? How did you become an artist? Where did you grow up? What was your family like that that you became so creative? Yeah, um, I've always been loved making things when I was a kid. I was always designing stuff, making things. My aunt um, Lou is a, was an art teacher, isn't, and she's retired now, but she would always send packages with art supplies to me, and it was just so wonderful. So she's a lot of my inspiration. Um, so just growing up, always making things. My mom always had the sewing machine out where I could sew and just, you know, bountiful art supplies. And um, I went to college and I started out as a math and science major and took one drawing class. It was at Hudson Valley Community College um, with my professor, Tom Lale. And I just loved it. I loved being in the studio. I loved the people there. And I switched my major from math science to fine arts. And then I went on to St. Rose. And um, yeah, after after I got married I and had kids, I, I stopped working and stayed home. And, um, you know, once my kids were both a little bit grown and could take care of themselves, I just definitely wanted to do something with my work and something with my community. So uh, started, you know, just offering programs for mostly just for free, you know, volunteering at the school. I, after school, they would have a place where parents could come in and offer programs and I would do some art programs there and the kids always loved them. And I'd always go into classrooms 
when my kids were in there and do a project for Valentine's Day or, you know, St. Patrick's Day and the kid. And so I definitely got like a following of these kids. And um, then we started doing programs at the Voorheesville Library and these kids kind of followed in and um, I'm continuing with that still. Um, still doing programs at the the library and working at Hildeberg Workshop, uh, well, be, teaching it's just classes. Well, so varied there. what you do, and I think it's interesting that you started college with math and science because there's such an emphasis this day on STEM. So many of our libraries and schools, it's all science, technology, engineering, math. And I just worry that the arts are kind of getting lost with this laser focus on on science and math. So tell us about some of these projects. I looked up, one of them was um, local pet rescues. (laughs) And you had the kids making like little statues I don't know what you'd call them of of say a dog but like what inspired that idea and how did that play out with the kids yeah so I two big passions in my life are animals saving animals and um, I love miniatures (laughs) so uh, for this one program it was a um, pet rescue miniature dollhouse to if I can explain it um, best, I don't know how to explain it, but every kid, I had just all a bunch of little plastic animals and the kids could choose an animal to adopt at the pet shelter. And then they made a small little house for it with, you know, a little 3D house and with a bed and dish and toys. Um, So yeah, that was one program kind of combining some of the things that I find are important um, things to talk about with kids, you know, rescuing animals and and stuff like that. So yeah, I do a lot with miniature work and kids. I mean, most people love tiny things. I love tiny things. They're all around my house. Most of the things I make are tiny. (laughs) Um, So when we're, you know, when I'm doing a program with the kids, we'll do, you know, something miniature, but then I also teach them along the way how to mix colors to get this or how to cut paper properly or folding. Um, so, you know, definitely get some of those skills, those artistic skills, yeah. but you well, make something Sharon really cute Bryce in the again end. wrote a letter to us one year. You made a miniature, like a shadow box, I guess, for each person that worked on costumes in the, pl- that's just a remarkable thing to have yeah. done. So thoughtful. And I just, I think kids in general are fascinated with miniatures. I remember as a child myself reading the borrowers. Are the borrowers still around? <laughs> you know, this family oh. that goes around your house <laughs> yes, kind of like I, mice collecting yes. little things and mm-hmm. using them. And um, yes. Yeah. Yes. I referenced them in one of the projects I did. It was during um, the pandemic. So I was actually doing YouTube videos of art projects, but um, we had made fairy homes. And I talked about the borrowers, how I just always loved looking at the photos that were, you and know, on the book did. cover. Yeah. The did you ever things know in their Mitch house. Peterson? She did yeah. um, miniatures for the Altamont Fair for years. Um, but there's something about miniatures oh. <laughs> that just attracts you. Um, another Another thing that I saw that you had done yes. was botanical plaster casting. Can you just tell us about that? What what does that project involve and how did that affect the kids? Sure. So again, that was one of those um 
projects that I did. It was a YouTube video. So I would tape myself doing the project. I would make up kits with all the supplies the kids would need. And then the kids would go to the library, pick up their kit of supplies, and then watch my YouTube video. So those were times when I wasn't directly working with the kids. Um, but that casting and, and plaster are two, you know, plaster is one of my favorite art materials because it's just, there's, it's just white plaster in the end, but it captures so many, so much detail. So what um, the kids would do is go outside, pick plants and flowers, and they would press them into clay. And then you would make, you know, kind of form a, a little um, wall around that imprint in the clay. And then we pour plaster into that. And then when you lift up the plaster, you're getting this, um, a relief of all those little plants and it, it captures the most tiny details. Um, and that, you know, they so they came out just these white tiles, but all the details of the flower, you could see, they were really pretty beautiful. And some of the kids sent me photos because I wasn't able to, you know, be a, with so them in person to the see pandemic? Is that why products. it wasn't in person? Oh, what a great idea because it kept them being creative, yes. even though they couldn't yeah. get to the library. And yeah, and it just, I bet it also engendered yes. a real appreciation of nature because so often we walk by, say, a mm -hmm. fern <laughs> or a mushroom and we don't really see it. I'm trying to think of the quote by yes. Georgia O'Keeffe. It's about how people don't take time to really see things, which is what she, of course, did in painting her flowers. Mm -hmm. You know, she really looked at them. So that's right. a wonderful project. Then another one that I found, again, at the Voorheesville Library was um, Snowy Day Terrarium. Can you just tell us about that? <laughs> sure. So that was like we took a little plastic globe and um, the kids use air dry clay and they'd make little snowmen. And um, we set up just sort of a little scene with the snowmen inside this little globe that could be hung in your window. Um, so, yeah, they were working with clay and, um, you know, just learning how to mix colors. We did a little bit of color mixing, how to shape clay, because that's really important you know, technique, how to shape clay into different shapes that you want. Um, and, you know, as you're asking me if, if all the, I do have a blog, an artist blog, and it's called the studio house dot blog. And if, you know, if anybody is interested in actually seeing what all these little projects are, um, they're all on my blog. I usually just put you know what I'm working oh, on good or programs know, I've done right I there. I bet we have some mothers listening and these are things that you could do with your own kids, you know? And like the the terrarium you call it, which makes me think of plants, but the magic of a snow globe is something, mm -hmm. I don't know, another literary reference from my childhood with Heidi, you know, the idea of this it's almost magical to have this little miniature world in a globe so the name of the blog again is the mm -hmm. studio house is that it so yeah because that and it has that's correct projects in there so people could follow along and do them with their own kids is that I don't really have tutorials to say, but um, definitely just finish photos. And I talk about my process, what supplies I used, um, you know, so it could definitely somebody could definitely so replicate with, that, with, their, with their children. Where sure. do they come yeah. from? 
Um, I love coming with just thinking in my head and just, you know, I definitely draw inspiration from around me, you know, pictures I've seen of other people's artwork, but I really try to make um, every project that I do with kids my own um, and make it unique to what I can offer. <laughs> so, yeah, but inspiration comes from everywhere, just um, around me and oh, that's great. You know, other artists. What about with your own kids as they were growing up? Were they constantly doing projects with you? I mean, were they kind of like your uh, laboratory or test center? How did that work? <laughs> yeah. So my daughter, Alice, so I have a studio in my house with, uh, you know, just a full supply of art supplies and craft supplies, fabric, glues, paint, anything. So her whole life, she's had that, you know, full array of art supplies always at her grasp. And my son, Joseph, too, he's definitely artistic. She uh, creates and makes some of the most amazing little toys and creations. She came up with her own cartoon characters that she draws. So yes, she is extremely creative. And um, I think it definitely helps that she has a full art and studio at her, at her, at her disposal. disposal. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. We, we are, we're always working together. If I'm working on a project, she usually comes in and does the same project or oh, takes some of the supplies wonderful. and does her own, own so idea. So you mentioned yep. in passing the Helderberg workshop. In case our listeners aren't familiar with that, can you just tell us what the Helderberg workshop is as well as what it is you've done there? Sure. The, the Helderberg workshop is a... I don't know how many acres it is, but it's an it's a summer. I don't I don't want to call it a summer camp because it's really more than that. It's I think they call it an adventure in learning, and it's just an outside um, classroom. And there's professionals who teach really classes that you really can't get at a you know a normal summer camp. We have um, crocheting, weaving archery, there's a spelunking class, uh, fishing, um, trying to think of some other ones, blacksmithing, um, you know, different art classes, cartooning, and they're taught by professionals. Like these are, you know, professionals teaching these classes, but definitely, you know, work well with kids. And so kids get to be outside um, and just in the in this beautiful uh, part of Borisville. It's right below the escarpment. It's it's beautiful. When I, I used to, my kids had, are still going there, but when they first went there, um, when I stepped on the land, I was like, wow, this place is magical. And um, it's one of my favorite places in Borisville. There's just nothing like it. And so when I was asked to become the folk arts chairperson, I was I was just over the moon. I was like, oh, yes, I'd love to be part of this wonderful place and giving a kid's experience to be outside. I mean, it's just, um, you know, and there's it's just very simple. Sometimes you're using the, the classrooms a lot of times or, you know, small little um, lean tos or these cute little buildings. We have a teepee there and a longhouse. So it's very much getting kids uh, really connected to nature and discovering these talents oh, that maybe they've days, never had a chance to try. Especially when kids spend so much time in front of a screen. It's great. So you're the folk arts chairperson. Yeah. Tell us what some of these folk arts are. 
Some of the folk arts classes, um, like I had mentioned, we have a weaving class where kids are actually weaving on a full-size loom. Um, the crochet class. There is a war reenactment classes, which are, I don't know how they fall into folk arts, but, um, you know, just kind of learning about different, um, the Revolutionary War, the Civil War, and, and learning how, and those kids are definitely in the woods and learning, you know, tricks, and it's, that's quite interesting. There is also art classes where there's, a woman does mask making, um, and let's see, I do a dollhouse class. That Last year was my first year doing a small dollhouse class where every kid went home with their own little dollhouse, which they made all the, the um, furniture and everything inside from scratch. So I'll be doing that again this year. Well, and, I just um, like the idea of folk arts because um, it seems to me to say from the folk, from the people, like passing on a tradition um, which, again, is rare these days, and then the art part, <laughs> which um, so mm-hmm. so many of us don't make time to appreciate the art. So it seems like you're pulling together really important threads there. And Sharon, who you mentioned before, I heard she's teaching a new class this year where the, the kids will learn hand sewing, and they make a really cute little bear pillow so you know a a, a a art that is definitely kind of being forgotten is that hand sewing and um so oh, yeah she's bringing that, that back this great. year so that's well, another class time has just flown by and i had so much more i was going to ask you about but do you have any closing thoughts that you'd like to leave our listeners with anything about the play or yourself or your passions? Sure. Um, so the, the play is, it, I would definitely recommend people coming to see it. This It's just, a, it's a full musical, all singing. Um, the, the Code of Many Colors, you have to just see it in person. It's beautiful. It is a, a work of art on stage. And um, so thankful to Marie, my mother-in-law, for helping me. And um, one more, this is, we'll call this like a backstage um tidbit of information she calls me her pearl and i call her my mother of pearl and so i've included in the jacket um two pearls so um, maybe people can try to find those two pearls that are that are among the many colors of the dream coat 